Welcome to the No More Late Fees podcast. I'm Jackie. And I'm Danielle. And we're just two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees rewatching some of our favorite movies from the late 90s and early 2000s. May the fourth be with you. Episode one is the episode for this week. Prepare for the Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace was every fanboy and girl's dream. Uh, more Star Wars? Yes, please. Then we watched it. Young Anakin Skywalker is a slave on Tatooine who is one with the Force. Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon Jinn, and Queen Amidala stumble upon him and antics ensue. And then there's Jar Jar. Thank God you were the one who volunteered to say all these damn names. Thank you. They are a mouthful. Anywho, before we get started, let's get into our ratings rewind. So here's how it goes. Before we get started on any movie, we'll reveal the rating of our Y2K versions of ourselves would give. Then at the end, we'll see if our current selves agree with our original rating. Our scale will consist of would buy it, would buy it again. The best, we play on repeat. Five-day rental. Would watch again. Two-day rental. It's okay, nothing to write home about. And same-day rental. Get in the trash compactor with Leia, Han, and Chewie. (laughs) Okay, Jackie, what did your Y2K version of yourself think of Phantom Menace? I mean, I just, I don't think I thought anything of it. (laughs) I remembered very little from when I saw it in the theater. So I guess I would just give it a a two-day rental. Like, I didn't feel like I had really strong feelings one way or another about it. I was just like, "Uh uh-huh, okay, well, that was that. Well, (laughs) for me, I wish that one of our ratings could be heartbreak. (laughs) Because that's what Y2K Danielle felt was pure heartbreak. I think it was the mutual heartbreak heard around the world when this movie came out. I think it's a damn lucky coincidence that social media wasn't at the height it is now when this movie came out but I digress my y2k version of myself said that this was definitely because it's star wars I'll say two-day rental fair enough that that's (laughs) that's all I can say we would like to preface (laughs) this episode with we know we all have our things that we love and we hardcore fan girl over Hanson for me supernatural and her programs for Danielle um we're gonna do our best I feel like I've had a Star Wars education it may not be it's like a associate's degree in Star Wars yeah uh I am not bachelor's master's PhD level so we're gonna do our best we're sorry if we fuck some shit up We're not meaning to make you angry. Hopefully you hate this movie so much you don't care about the little things we may get wrong or not quite understand about canon. Yeah, know this. We are both hardcore nerds in the sense that we like stuff before it became 
mainstream to like it. Like we knew about Star Wars and Star Trek. Like we legit watched these things, especially because of both of our dads. I love Star Wars. This is all coming from a place in our heart. Very much a place of love. Yes. I don't think we have a lot of judgmental people listening who are going to try to rake us over the coals. Um, We say this because I find, especially in this fandom, there's a lot of gatekeeping that happens, especially when it comes to women and um, really don't give a fuck if we offend those people. Go fuck yourself. But the people who like genuinely open arms love this movie. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. This is just our opinions. So as we continue on today's episode, we're going to be discussing the excitement that was surrounding this movie when it came out and our experiences seeing it. We're going to talk about Blockbuster Yoda, (laughs) the wonder that is Jar Jar, the acting, the plot, and... um. What was George thinking? You ready? Insert John Williams music here. (laughs) Hey, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Unscroll. (laughs) Okay, Danielle. What was your Phantom Menace viewing experience like? Um, it was okay. So I was in college when this movie was coming out and I went to an all black college. So the experience of just the anticipation, it wasn't like one of the movies that all the kids in my school were amping up to go see collectively. Um, And I say this because a lot of the experiences I had at that time with movies coming out, especially we had such really good black movies that came out in the 2000 era. Can I Uh, pause you for one second? It came out in 99. I thought it came out in 2001. Mm -mm, 99. God damn it. No, I was in college when this movie came out. It says 99. So what, what movie did I see then? Maybe Attack of the Clones. I got to step back then. I don't remember when I saw this. Okay, you want me to tell my story first while you think? Well, then who did I see this with? Did I see it with you? No, because I know exactly who I saw it with. Shit, who did I see this with? I don't know. All right, well, let's rewind. Jackie. (laughs) Yes, it is. It has come to my realization that I do not remember who I saw this movie with. I know I was excited for it to come out because around that time in high school, they re-released the original Star Wars in the movie theaters. So that really got me pumped because obviously I remembered seeing it when I was younger, but I don't think I quite understood it. But definitely getting to rewatch this in the movie theaters got me hyped for Phantom Menace. But I don't recall who I saw it with, how that experience was. So I'm going to let you go first about the excitement and your experience seeing it. It was senior year of high school when it came out. Either end of junior year or beginning of senior year, since it was 99. And we were chilling at the mall like you do. Mm. It was me and my sister just hanging out at the mall and we ran into 
Mark Miller. Oh, Mark and Miller. Him and his friend Josh were like, hey, we, we have tickets. We're going to go see the Phantom Menace. Obviously, it was not opening week or anything like that. Yeah. And they're like, do you want to come with us? We're like, yeah, sure. We got nothing going on. We're just hanging out at the mall, kill time. <laughs> and the memorable thing about this whole experience for me was that I had, for some reason, put my CD book on the top of my car and forgot to grab it. And I drove off. Oh no. And like the the mall wasn't that far from the movie theater. It was just like across the street. Yeah. And we got out and my CDs were still on the top of my car. Yeah. Nobody wanted that Hanson chip. <laughs> still have that CD case full of CDs to this day. Anywho, <laughs> I digress. So we go and watch the movie. I mean, I guess it was fine. Like I said, I don't remember the movie during quarantine. I decided I was going to watch everything in order. Mm -hmm. Started episode one, go through episode nine with 3.5 being Rogue One. We were going to watch all 10 movies. And so started with Phantom Menace and I was literally sitting there like, I know, I, I remember going to the theater to see it and I have no recollection of any of this shit happening. The pod racing scene was completely different in my mind than what actually happens in the movie. I just, I don't know what happened. I don't know if I went in the theater and slapped. I don't know what happened. Um, had that experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We both, maybe it was just like, we are suppressing these memories <laughs> and we're just going to pretend like it didn't happen. I don't know. So anyway, that was our experience seeing it. Um, well, I remember the pod racing. I remember the kid just being so over enthusiastic, like yippies. And it just felt like a kid's movie, mm-hmm. the experience. And then, you know, we'll get into how the Jar Jar thing went. I have to imagine if I didn't see it with you, that I had to have seen it with my family or... I just cannot remember. If you know who saw this movie with me, please let me know. That's going to drive me crazy. I cannot remember. I'm going to have to go look at my my ticket stubs at home. Mm. But yeah, no, that's all I got to give. I don't okay. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. It's tragic. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. you know, but, it happens. But tell us the um, your experience the blockbuster at Blockbuster. Showing. Yeah. Every Blockbuster got a life-size replica of Yoda. He was in a fucking glass case and everything. And people entered raffles to win the Yoda. It was like a promotion that uh, Lucasfilms was doing to promote the release of episode one on VHS. And I never really paid attention or cared like who won the Yoda. And it wasn't until years later that one of my managers was like, oh yeah, I rigged that and I let my sister win. It's in her house. I was like, me being like goody two-shoes, we never do anything wrong. I was like, how dare you? But the wonder that is Jar Jar. Yes. I got lots to say. Okay. So you know how there's on, I think it's on TikTok and it's probably like memes and stuff where it says, tell me something that feels racist but is it? And yes. Jar Jar was that feeling. And it's so funny because I was when I was rewatching it, my grandma came in and I turned to her and I said, does that voice 
sound like a really chopped up job of some sort of Caribbean accent, the broken English. I just remember after seeing the movie, how much visceral was out there. And again, mm-hmm. this was being before the height of like real social media situation, but people were mad. And it wasn't just that character. There were other characters that were kind of the, looked at as slights of other races. Yeah, it's the ones with the Asian accents. There's also one with the nose looked a certain kind of way. And they said that it was making fun of Jewish people in a sense. And I don't know. I, I read something pieces from that time period to see how people were talking about it. And of course, there was like a ton of white writers saying that people were reaching Mm -hmm. like they were reaching about they were gaslighting that this isn't racism and all this other stuff and I think now if that had come out it would have been obliterated completely yeah and you know again I think they wanted this character to be some sort of comedic relief but yeah the only relief I got was when he stopped talking (laughs) (laughs) so I yeah, his his way of talking, not just, I mean, obviously Jar Jar, but the entire Gungan species, because they all talked similarly. And then on top of that, the King Gungan, I'm sorry if that's not what he is, Chief, King, President, I don't know. Man in charge. Man in charge. He had what can only be described as a stutter. Or he was choking on something half the time. <laughs> I was like, what, what is that? And Ken was like, I don't know. There were lots of exasperated sighs as we watched this movie. And I was asking questions because I wanted to take detailed notes, do my due diligence for the, for the fans. But yeah. And then he owed Qui-Gon Jinn a life debt. Right. Qui-Gon saved his life. Yeah. Oh, yes, I wrote. Is the clicking a stutter? Question mark. (laughs) (laughs) What apparently has bothered Ken since this movie came out was they jump into what looks like a small lake. And there is a giant ass underwater city seemingly in like the vast depths of the lake yeah and then he said this movie really goes off the rails when he tells him he needs to go through the planet core oh my god (laughs) i'm like okay so the gungans and the nabooians because i didn't know what they were called and ken said keep that in (laughs) (laughs) the the gungans and the nabooians all live on naboo he's like yes why do they hate each other? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, is this a blood and crypt situation? I don't understand why there's such turmoil between the two, why they don't get along. Right. And so to me, I always watch these kind of fantasy stories and worlds, and I try to figure out if you know, I know people pull from history or they pull from things that they know to bring into these worlds to have parallels. So were they having parallels between what I could imagine are maybe the indigenous people of this world or this planet and the the people who have come over and now live there as well? I, I don't know, the colonists? I, I mean, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I don't. Colonizers. Yeah. They don't speak to that. 
in any way. And I saw somebody on TikTok talk about this and I, I really agree. I love being able to kind of pull from our own world, but if we're going to make brand new worlds and, and be imaginative, why can't we build a world without bringing all the bullshit that's in this world? Why do we have to have genocide and obviously, you know, where you have kind of, you know, the, the stormtroopers and everything obviously mm-hmm. re- reminding us of Nazis and, and why do we have weird racist characters in here for no reason? Why do we have to bring those horrible things into these worlds where your imagination could be anything? Why even bring in races at all? That's yeah. what drives me crazy because I want to have a break too I want to fantasize about something and I love that kind of stuff but then they always bring this nonsense in there's sexism in it I don't need you to speak to those things in a different way let's do something new that's all I'm gonna say I'll put my soapbox away but that just is aggravating especially if you're not actually gonna do the work to explain what the hell is going on here yeah the only explanation I got was the Nabooians were super rich. I don't know if the Gungans even cared about that. I have no clue. Yeah, rich from what? I'm sure. I did write Jar Jar is dramatic. Oh my God. <laughs> I wanted him to die. always hooting and hollering, screaming, flailing about. He, I know there are theories, fan theories that he is actually a Sith Lord. And so his bumbling is actually his way of interfering with the Jedi's tasks. (laughs) Now let's talk about a reach. (laughs) I'm just saying it's a theory and it's out there. I feel like they said, they said we, we are going to stand anything George Lucas is making and we're going to retch round our ass and pull it out i actually think it's fans that are just we have to have some sort of explanation yeah that's what i mean you for some bumbling ass bullshit that was jar jar bangs and maybe if he's a sith lord it fucking makes sense it it doesn't none of none of that makes sense because why do that and not pay it off later the other thing was like under the tractor and i was like (laughs) It was what Homeboy did at the beginning to survive. He has learned no skills from the beginning to the end of this movie. And then I think it was right before that, he's suddenly leading an army. Is he qualified to lead this army? No. Who put Jar Jar in charge? I don't know. I have no idea. But I did find something when I was researching how everybody felt and all the backlash. And I do feel bad because I found out the actor who voiced him, his name is Ahmed Best, and he is a Black actor of Caribbean descent. And obviously he was trying to bring in parts of the character that, you know, came from himself. And he was devastated with the reactions of everybody after seeing the movie, especially from the black community. And sadly, he was also suicidal because it had, he had Aww. such a backlash about the movie. And so he just was really depressed. And I think he's doing better now. But Ahmed, we don't blame you. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you did what you could with this character, right? That must have been a dream job. And he must have been super excited. And he got certain direction. And let's be honest, again, this movie seemed like it was very much geared towards children. So I think, you know, that 
character was supposed to be a sticky character that kids fall in love with and and so on but uh, I feel I feel for the man I really do yeah so what about the acting oh god Danielle it was so bad everyone except for Qui-Gon Jinn yes and Obi-Wan Kenobi were monotone well I guess and Mace Windu Let's put him in there too. They would literally deliver lines like, I hope to see you again someday, Annie. What? But what is happening? Natalie Portman, you have won a fucking Oscar. What is happening right now? If you're looking at really great actors, all of them high caliber, and they're all acting a certain kind of way, you got to look at direction. Yep. You got to. Because even Ewan McGregor, he just, I guess it's because now that I, I'm looking back at it, I know what the Obi-Wan character turns out to be. Mm-hmm. So watching him be a novice, I don't know, it felt like he was looking at a teleprompter at some points. And I'm just like, what is, just like you, that reaction, what is happening? And so I, I definitely say direction because it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Even the kid, the other kids in the scene had more energy than Anakin did. Yeah. Like you said, he would throw in a yippee every once in a while. But other than that, he's just like, I'm the best pod racer there ever was. No inflection. We don't believe you, Jake. We don't believe you. Oh, that poor kid. That poor, poor kid. Uh, I don't know. The acting scenes were just... Palpatine wasn't bad, I don't think. He was a good scheming mofo. Yeah. The other example I had was when Natalie Portman, or not Natalie Portman. Kira um, Knightley. Kira Knightley was like, we're with you, your highness. Like, you have been nominated for an Oscar too. What is happening? It's so weird. I, at the time, didn't know that was Kara Knightley. I mean, we didn't know who Kara Knightley was. So now watching back, I just kept watching. I was like, okay, which one? Is that Natalie? Okay, yeah. Yeah, that, is that they Kara? look so much fucking yeah. alike. And then they always have the two red dots. Unless yeah. on Tatooine, Natalie Portman didn't have any makeup on. And so you could see her cheek mole. The rest of the time, they had so much makeup on their face. You couldn't even tell from the mole. I'm like, that's my only distinguishing characteristic, y'all. <laughs> And you're fucking me up. Yeah, they they did a good job with that. I'll yeah. give them that. The, the, the costumes were, Amidala's wardrobe was, it was fucking bizarre. But, but you could point. tell, yeah, they put a lot of thought and detail into each one of her outfits. Yeah, I mean, was it as good as Fifth Element? I just thought those outfits were so good in that movie. <laughs> Such a good movie. Okay, so the plot. Where was it? What was it? I don't know. So something about we start out on a ship, which the opening scene was classic Star Wars badass, Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon Jinn, kicking ass, taking names, doing the Jedi thing, here for it. Right. Quickly went downhill after that. (laughs) They land on Naboo, meet Jar Jar. Georgia's like, come to my underwater kingdom that I've been banished from. And they put these breathing apparatuses in their mouth. And I was like, they just carry those around. Gotta be prepared like the Boy Scouts, you know? Oh my God. That's exactly what Ken said. 
10. They're like Boy Scouts, always prepared. <laughs> just like we just carry those around in our ropes. Yeah. Doesn't seem like we have much room. They got lime, they got pockets in the lining, Jackie. <laughs> you didn't know? So then they go. I don't even remember what happens underwater. They're allowed to go through the planet core to sneak into Naboo, the back way through the water. And that's all I remember <laughs> about that. They talk to Queen Amidala and they're like, we have to get off this planet. Let's go hide out on Tatooine. And then they run into Anakin and that flying b- bug. Watto. Right. He's a, hold on. He looks like Gonzo from the the um, Muppet, Mom, baby. Muppet Babies, but well, with Muppets. wings. Yeah. <laughs> but also the Muppet Babies. Yeah. Um, he is a Toydarian. Okay. I told you I took notes. <laughs> okay. So, and their ship is, the hyperdrive is leaking. Right. And they need a part. They need parts. They need a part. And, and so I said, so essentially Watto just owns a junkyard. And I was told yes. Yeah, but then they don't have, they're on more of a barter system out there because this planet is run by Java, the Javas, they say. Java Java's. Hut. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> Just making sure. Did, it, did you not hear the beat? <laughs> Maybe I was thinking about coffee. I don't know. <laughs> the Javas. You know, the fat man and his family. Yes. Anywho. So, so the, it, it's a, as it's described, Tatooine is run by huts and gangsters. Okay. <laughs> I'm just re- reaffirming what you were saying. Right, right, right. And uh, what is super weird is that when, okay, we meet Anakin because he's a slave. Yes. And he's working for the Muppet Baby. And I'm not saying these damn names. Y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Watto. Right. (laughs) They're trying to get these parts, but it's as if they come in with money and this whole world is like, now we're on a barter system. We're on like, give me something that's of worth. Your Republic money doesn't mean shit to me here. So, you know, I guess me and Ken were wrong because these people were not always prepared they didn't have anything um and Anakin was first of all my mom would have beat my ass if I just brought a bunch of strangers over a bunch of grown men mm-hmm. a bunch of grown men home talk about let's just chill at my house during the sandstorm so they go to his house and obviously Liam Neeson's character realizes that Anakin has the force and he starts talking to the mom and we pretty much figure out that he's Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but if you remember Jackie from Mr. Chandler's class in the archetype of a hero, they always figure into the Jesus story somehow. Luke Skywalker did. Obviously Anakin had the beginnings of Jesus with the trials and the tribulations. Mm-hmm. He just gave the immaculate in. conception of Shmi. Right. If mom's the, name was Shmi. <laughs> and Neo and the Matrix, they all have that kind of symbolism. But like to literally say that this boy was immaculate conception, I was like, okay. As Ken eloquently put it, 
someone force fucked Shmi. <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. Right? <laughs> someone for well, that actually probably in the it's the wrong context. If I wore that yeah. out, people would think I would be you know, promoting rape culture. So we've got to figure that out, but it's well, fun as hell. if you put it in the Star Wars font, you don't think it matters. Maybe it needs a preface like <laughs> Anakin was an immaculate conception, question mark, someone forced fucked me. <laughs> but we'll work on it. It's yeah, a work in progress. Work in progress. It's copyrighted. Um, don't even try. So yes, Qui-Gon Jinn realizes Anakin can see things before they happen or feel what's going to happen before they happen. That's why he's able to pod race at such a young age. And then so Anakin has some sort of cut and Qui-Gon's helping him by bandaging it, takes a blood sample and sends it to Obi-Wan. And he said that his metachlorian count is over 20,000 and that's more than Master Yoda. So do they, in their Jedi training, are they told everyone's metachlorian count? Girl, I thought he was checking for the beaties. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? It did look like a glucometer. It did. I was like, he got the Small baddest. Small strip. His <laughs> <laughs> sugars are high. Poor baby. Does that happen that same night? Because then do they go talk to Muppet Baby and say, hey... They scam him into letting them race, right? Or yes. letting Anakin race. No, that was before because, no, that is after. The Bettis check or before? So the Bettis check is after they agree that they could pod race. And if they won, that would pay for the part. But before he throws in the, hey, if he wins, Anakin's free. Yeah. Because <laughs> Watto uses a chance cube which right. is just a dice with blue and red on it and Qui-Gon uses the force and makes sure it goes his way hot hand in a crap thing <laughs> clicky clack it was about this point where I was like so Queen Amadala is 14 are we gonna talk about the grooming in a minute okay Anakin is nine acts like a six-year-old Mm. looks like a six-year-old it was very confusing yes very confusing especially knowing what happens with Anakin and Padme along the way let's talk about the pod racing before we get into the grooming (laughs) (laughs) I mean I straight fell asleep I don't know what happened I didn't fall asleep I zoned out (laughs) so you tell Um, me well it's I'm confused are we supposed to all make it to the end of the race or is it just last man standing? Because it really feels like last man standing. It's not a race. More so it's don't die and you win. Yeah, it's like death race. Yes. I was just like, what? So they have to build a new racer every single time because they just other people. And are there rules to this? It seems like there should be rules because, I mean, it's a huge stadium. It seems like it happens a lot. Are the rules not to have any rules? Is cheating encouraged? Is killing encouraged? I would say in that world where they were, hell yeah, I'm sure cheating was encouraged, was not frowned upon, you know. No I didn't rules. care for it. 
I did not <laughs> like it. I expect everyone to stay in their lane. I expect a clean race. Well, think of it like something you do like, which is like Mario Kart. That's not a clean race. But these are people, Danielle. <laughs> Whatever. I'm just saying. It's almost like a Coliseum type deal, Gladiator, where they're just like, you fight to the death kind of thing. I do want to talk about Leah Neeson's character just randomly throwing it out there as he's eating at this woman and child's home. Talk about, I didn't come here to free no slaves. I'm not here to free slaves. My intention was never to come here to free slaves. Like he said it like three times. I was like, damn, son, you're eating their food, staying at the house. And you're just like, by the way, your plight, not my problemo. Okay. I just need my leaky hyperdrive. <laughs> then I mean, I'm out. Yeah. I was like, don't the Jedis have a code of ethics? What is, what's going out on out here? Y'all are letting slavery happen? Well, Qui-Gon was a kind of a rogue Jedi. Yeah, I know, but still. Uh, okay. The whole Jedi, it's not him, but I, I just, the fact he kept, he said it more than once was just like peculiar to me. <laughs> I think we get it. Okay, we get it. It's not the Jedi's jobs. Maybe they were trying to talk to the audience who were like, they're slaves. Like, why aren't the Jedi's doing anything? Yeah. Maybe that was to answer it. But and it just made me have was, more questions. There was a line said by Queen Amidala later in the movie saying that slavery is against the law of the Republic. And she had no idea that it was happening. Correct. Yeah, but they're yeah. not a part of the Republic. So, yeah. And that's also interesting to me, like, how is it that Jabba and his peeps can be outside of the Republic? I'm sure the nerd boys and girls know the answers to these questions, but um, us regular folk trying to keep an eye on all this stuff. We're we're just over here learning and growing as people, (laughs) throwing it out into the universe, into the galaxy, see what comes back to us. Just be nice when you respond. And don't be like, hey, idiots. <laughs> this is the way. Because <laughs> I'll cut a bitch. I, I'll find you. <laughs> so we're at the pod racing. The pod, uh, Anakin wins. He wins his freedom, wins the parts. Yes. It's free, but mama doesn't get free too. Qui-Gon mm. couldn't, couldn't swing both of them. I did ask why was C-3PO left behind? And Ken said Anakin had built him for his mom. His mom, yeah. And he was a linguistics droid so that she could communicate with all the different species that came to tattooing. Yeah. So there's that clarification. <laughs> I just have a note here that says dumb bitch, which I'm assuming is Amidala. Oh, because she, okay, let's talk about the grooming now. Yes. It's because of the grooming. I just say... That if this was the reverse, if it was a guy, and and that has been a trope in movies in the past for a long time, that like it's, you know, she's young and then, you know, the next movie, if there's a continuation, she's all grown up and now they're like in love with each other. But to me, he was looking at her as like an older sister Mm -hmm. and she, I don't know if she did anything unusual or weird or whatever she was very kind to him as you would be to a child it just was weird how things turn out in the next movie and so on so I just it it felt grooming-ish I thought you were going to talk about Senator Palpatine grooming her oh he was and fuck grooming he was playing a bitch 
<laughs> I think that's why I wrote dumb bitch <laughs> because I was like, come on, Amadala, wise up. Yeah, but like he is a no good, dirty gangsta. He's playing you. Yeah. But she was 15 and I'm sure he was her advisor for a long time. So it was just creepy how he kept like leaning whispering in, in her whispering ear. ear. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> so there is a truce that is made by the Nabooians because they figure out Palpatine's plan, essentially, I think. No, they don't know it's Palpatine. I don't even at the end. Well, they don't know it's Palpatine, but they know shit's not right with some of the other species that want to do the trade deal and all of that. And they're like, we're not signing a fucking trade deal. And then we're going to force her hand. And so they go and she bends the knee to the king, the, the, the head honcho of the Gungans. Yeah. And he's like, we're straight. Let's go fight. Yeah. But we skipped some parts because after they get their part and they leave Jabba's planet or whatever, they go back to, I don't know, headquarters, wherever the Jedi are and where the Senate. Oh, the council. The council meets the council of the Jedis. Right. And then the Senate meets as well. And so Queen Amidala has to go and speak before everybody in the Senate to the Supreme Chancellor to beg for help for her planet because people are getting killed and, and they need help. And that's where we're Jackie and I were referencing that Palpatine is just playing her like a fiddle mm-hmm. and whispering in her ear. He's staging a coup essentially to get rid of the person who's in his way of more control and power. He, he's allowed the droids in like the the enemy quote-unquote droids into the city and those are what are killing the Nabooians right so he's trying to pretend like he's helping but all in all he's the person in the background starting all this stuff in the first place to start pretty much essentially like a civil war yes but nobody really knows it quite yet he's messing with the Jedi separately. He's messing, you know, with the the Senate. And so he uses Amadala, Amadula, Amadala. Mad- Madula, <laughs> he uses her to to be able to kind of say in the Senate that she because he's not willing, the Supreme Chancellor's not willing to, you know, have some action to help her people. Palpatine uses the opportunity to get her to have a vote for a new chancellor. Mm -hmm. And that sets all sorts of other things in motion. And then from there, and, you know, while that's happening, Obi-Wan and um, Liam Neeson's character. Right, Jin. I'm just going to call him Jin because I I know that. (laughs) (laughs) It's just too many names. I felt like I was reading Lord of the Rings again. Anywho, they're going to try for the council to say, okay, Anakin can be trained mm-hmm. as a Jedi. And there's obviously some hesitation from Yoda and our boy Samuel Jackson. Mace Windu. And, you know, Mace is leaning. He, he ain't having it. Yoda ain't having it. But, you know, they... They listen and because there's a prophecy that there is going to be a Jedi that will set balance to the force, mm-hmm. which for me, my confusion is this. If when they hear about the Sith 
and they know the cysts haven't existed in a long time since mm-hmm. they've been apparently wiped out. But I know the cysts are almost like they have a different religion than the Jedi, so it's not necessarily anything to do with the they quote, use the quote, same energy right in two different ways. But right at that point of time is it that it's out of balance because now there's just so much I think it's the inner turmoil and fighting between species and the different planets and the galaxy okay you know what we haven't talked about yet Yoda no we did who Darth Maul yo that makeup (laughs) though it was cool (laughs) Ken called him the most badass Sith ever he has horns. <laughs> I did ask in that end fight scene when, because at first he doesn't pull out the double bladed lightsaber till the end, right? Not to that final fight scene. Okay. Yeah. So I asked Ken because he re- he vividly remembers seeing this in the theater. Just a side note, Ken, Jackie's husband, is a hardcore Star Wars fan, and he even collects the action figures. I have action figures, but only because I love Harrison Ford as Han Solo. But Ken is legit. Well, I'm afraid after this episode, he's going to kick my ass for saying all sorts of crazy things wrong. (laughs) The Jabba's? I I meant Jabba, whatever. (laughs) I kind of threw it out there do you want to be a guest he didn't really respond one way or another (laughs) anywho I asked him how did people react how did you feel when Darth Maul pulled out the (laughs) double-bladed lightsaber and he said oh the entire audience just erupted in applause so I thought that was a cool side note that like everyone was just this is what we're here for (laughs) let's see some Sith Jedi action this is the fight scene we're talking about is towards the end when kind of the nabooians and the gungans have joined forces have joined forces and they're trying to fight off all the droids trying to attack them yeah Yeah. the federation is attacking so pretty much the the whole beginning of this is because it's a trade dispute gone wrong this this movie about taxes (laughs) legit this is their own Boston Tea Party, yeah. if you will. Well, not even. It's with, just like... With more killing. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like a trade dispute. And the guys mm. are like really being assholes and, and trying to push their way through, knowing that it's a Trojan horse to a whole different plot. Yes. But tell me if that end fighting scene with, I'm just going to say Jar Jar's people fighting oh, against the droids the Gunkins fighting against the droids. Did you not feel- um... Wakanda forever? Yes. (laughs) I was like, they have the shield up. Yes. They have their armies ready to go. Yes. They have their big robots that Shuri built. Yes. Ready to go. It was- I said, okay, so let me get this straight. You're saying Jaja ain't black and you ain't making fun of that and it's a figment of my imagination but then disney who now owns lucas films goes and makes the same exact damn scene in a black country with black people i'm just i'm just gonna put it out there conspiracy theory maybe i mean it adds up the fact that i independently noted that thank you you're welcome 
Well, I mean, Black Panther is like one of my favorite movies ever. Of so course. immediately I was like, that's it's, Wakanda. Yeah. We're just Wakanda in a different galaxy. Just feels real familiar. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And the sad thing is that I don't even remember this damn movie. So when I watched (laughs) Infinity War, I couldn't say, oh, this feels like Star Wars. So that was interesting. So that end fight scene, what was pointed out to me was (laughs) when when those weird doors kept opening and closing. Yeah. Ken said, watch each character's reaction to being separated. So it's Darth Maul pacing like a caged animal waiting to attack. Qui-Gon immediately goes into meditation to center himself and center the force. And then Obi-Wan just kind of doesn't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. (laughs) So I thought that was really interesting that it was shot that way. And he had noticed the different reactions to being separated and that anticipation of waiting until those doors open up again. And then obviously Qui-Gon loses. Spoiler alert. I'm sorry. If 22 years later, you didn't know that. Whatever. Y'all ain't going to watch it now. (laughs) So let us just story tell for you just to make sure you don't waste your time. And then Obi-Wan is literally hanging. He's like in a hole and is hanging on to something with one hand. It's somehow Luke Skywalker all over again. Yes. Somehow has the strength to throw himself up back onto the platform. That's the force. Uh, (laughs) He tapped into the force. While summoning his lightsaber, Whirly Woo, Darth Maul (laughs) cut in half. Yeah, I love how his his body just, you saw the halves. I was like, nice. Which you find out later in, I'm going to fuck this shit up. It's either Clone Wars or Rebels. I want to say it's Rebels probably wrong on that (laughs) one of the cartoons you find out that he's not dead they like darth batered him together gave him a partially robot body and he's the head bad guy don't they fight again in the cartoon him and obi-wan i'm sure they do i don't know i didn't watch the no the reason that is relevant is because the actor who voiced one of the characters i've seen the video where he talks about them fighting again and how obi-wan changes his stance a few times but and like kind of confuses who he's well and I do know in solo which I don't I'm sorry I don't know where in the timeline solo happens who the fuck cares Harrison wasn't in it okay I'm sorry guys (laughs) don't be bitter Deborah (laughs) I guess it happens later yeah it does happen later on because it's Han Solo is a young adult At the end of Solo, you find out that Kira, who she's reporting to, is Darth Maul. Mm -hmm. So there is illusion in the movies that he's not dead and that he's still with the Sith. (sighs) Okay. See, Star Wars people, I know some things. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Okay, the problem is that I know the original three. But once they started making the, the prequels and the sequels, it just became too much. I became more and more disinterested. Oh, no. The sequels are where it's fucking at. Well, no. Seven and nine is where it's fucking at. I don't know what Ryan's thinking, but that's another discussion for another day. I did like Rogue One, though. Rogue One was really good. It's just it's so sad that Ken can't watch it. Oh, 
Why? Because it's a suicide mission movie and everyone dies in it. He just doesn't like Spoiler that. alert. <laughs> I mean, I also feel like the time has passed on spoiler alerts for Rogue One as well. It's been some years. Well, I also like The Mandalorian. That That's really, really good. Yeah. Anyway, so we get to the end. I did ask, shouldn't there be a double redundancy for these droids? Why is one ship in charge of them all and all you have to do? I guess it's the whole Death Star. Just shoot at this thing and take it out. I don't know. Can we talk about Anakin accidentally saving everybody by blowing up that ship with his... No children's supervision in this movie, I'll tell you that. Mm -mm. Left to their own devices. Yeah. So... I don't know. (laughs) Like we said, in terms of what George was thinking, who knows? I think he was trying to make it family friendly and went overboard with the whole Jar Jar character being so ridiculously slapsticky. The amount of poop and fart jokes in this movie was troubling. Jar Jar like steps in a pile of shit on Tatooine. I don't even remember the fart jokes, but there were some in there. I was like, this is lowbrow for a LucasArts film. We can do better. I'm not sure if this is correct, but I believe I read that this is the Star Wars movie that he had the most to do with the whole thing, script-wise and everything. His hands were on this one the most. I may be wrong. I I think that's what's infuriating to care for it yeah either give me the original three or give me jj abrams um i'm gonna disagree with that (laughs) you said or not only jj abrams jj that last one that last one listen he had to polish a turd danielle he was left with nothing after whatever i don't know he 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 gave in there was and he we're not going to get into it, but maybe that'll be another mini set <laughs> another day. Uh, we can talk about changing. But um, all in all, it was the relaunching of this great trilogy into a well-oiled machine. But to some people, it was they're very excited because there's been books, and you know, this was a, another way to develop and open up these worlds, and so. I think that's great. Uh, Ken has a theory, which I kind of buy into, Mm -hmm. that if you were old enough to have seen the original trilogy, remember seeing the original trilogy, you have a special hate place in your heart for episodes one, two, and three. But if you were a child or a like early teen, and this was your first exposure to Star Wars. Yeah. You experienced it completely differently. Well, and that's, so that's Freddie Prince Jr.'s theory. If there's a video of him just going in about people complaining about these movies, because he said Star Wars was made for kids, it was made yeah. to sell toys, it was made with that thought process. I mean, he goes into it a lot more eloquently, and it's a great video where he, you know, he goes into it and his knowledge of of Star Wars is pretty fantastic actually and well he's um, been voicing yeah he's been a part of it for a long time now but yeah he does go into that same thing like if you're bitching about this movie from a perspective of old as adult 
is not meant this was not meant for you this is meant to introduce the star wars world or universe to a whole new set of kids yeah i get that but shit can still make sense (laughs) (laughs) it's true it just it was so convoluted and i think what made it exponentially harder to understand was that everyone was just so apathetic the entire time yeah like we will not sign that treaty I'm like what are you talking about does anyone have any passion behind what they're doing are we all just showing up phoning it in and then going home which I think is crazy because honestly I give props to the original cast because what they were making they didn't know what the fuck was happening (laughs) right that was the first movie especially the first movie they had no idea what this is gonna be yep and they really gave it their all they really did I mean Mark Hamill was a little cheesy but they gave performances they gave what we got it was it was nice I mean they gave us Star Wars yeah so thank you to Carrie Fisher R.I.P. oh Harrison Ford Mark Hamill. Harrison, if you're listening, my phone number is 954. (laughs) Peter Mayhew. Everyone who um, has made Star Wars what we love. And thank you for building our childhood, man. Yeah. And not one of you appearing in this movie, so we don't have to hate you for it. They couldn't have appeared in the movie, (laughs) I'm just saying. We could never hate them. We could never. Never. We understand needing a paycheck. I did see Ray Park at Star Wars Weekend at Disney one time. It was really fun. I've met Mark Hamill at New York Comic Con. Really nice, down to earth guy. He likes comic books. He does. And oh my God, him as the voice as Joker in the Batman animated series. mm, So good. Best, best Joker, in my opinion. Well, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope we didn't fuck it up too bad. Yeah. Well, you know what? For a lot of the non-Star Wars fans, we hope you enjoyed it. For the actual Star Wars fans, we hope you enjoyed it too. We hope that you left maybe a little bit, maybe laughed at us, left with us, whatever. Maybe we pointed out something you never noticed. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. Honestly, we're just doing the best we can and we're just trying to have fun and um, we're enjoying this whole journey. So if you have any complaints, as usual, head to our social media platforms. We're at no more late fees on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and, you know, send us a message. And if you liked it, send us a message there too. We slide really into our DMs. <laughs> Yes, we're like Lizzo right now going after Chris Evans. Oh my gosh. I wish I was brave enough to be Lizzo going after Chris Evans. I wish Chris Evans knew who I exist. (laughs) Chris Evans, DM us. Yes, or Harrison. (laughs) Mark Hamill, Danielle has met you before. She says you're lovely. Hit us up. (laughs) Okay, we're done. We're done. This is over. It's a wrap. Thanks for listening. May the force be with you.